0: Welcome back to Sepsis Voices with Dr Ron. I'm your host, Dr Ron Daniels, and I'm joined today by Colleen Noonan from the Alliance to Save Our Antibiotics. Now, Colleen is the policy and science manager of the Alliance to Save Our Antibiotics, which is an alliance of 71 member organisations. It's huge. Co-founded by Compassion in World Farming, the Soil Association and Sustain to really campaign against the overuse of antibiotics in livestock farming. And I remember some years ago now supporting them with a forward to one of their previous reports around E. coli and E. coli superbugs. Now, Colleen has co-authored many reports on antibiotic resistance and antibiotic residues that highlight the human health impact of excessive antibiotic use in intensive livestock farming, which is something we don't often consider when we consume meat. The Alliance's work aims to encourage a move towards more responsible use of antibiotics in farming through better regulation, voluntary actions and improvements in production, whilst also improving animal health and welfare. And as a clinician, Colleen, every day I see patients with sepsis. And and already in my daily work, it's not unusual to find that some of our patients have resistance, which are resistant to antibiotics. And we can only imagine. But the reality is we're going to have to imagine it because it's coming what is going to happen if antibiotics become ineffective for most patients. Now, Colleen, after that lengthy introduction, is joining us today following the publication of a new report on the use of antibiotics in UK catering companies or by UK catering companies. Thank you so much for joining us, Colleen. Thank you very
1: much for, for having me, Ron.
0: Well, let, let's dive straight in, shall we? What What is the evidence that suggests that the consumption of antibiotics, if you like, antibiotics in our food chain impacts on the resistance pattern among human bugs?
1: Yes, well, I mean, this has been uh, a question that has been discussed Literally for for decades, and it has at times been quite a controversial issue. I mean, the first the first thing to um, state quite clearly is that the human use of antibiotics is considered generally to be the principal cause of antibiotic resistance in human infections. Nevertheless, uh, it is now. Uh, widely uh, accepted by governments uh, in the UK, across Europe, and across the world, and by international organisations, that the farm use of antibiotics does uh, contribute to resistance uh, in in human infections. And you know, for for some infections, the evidence is, has always been very clear, uh, despite some uh, denials uh, that that have occurred. So, for instance, infections where. Uh, Most of these infections, such as in food poisoning infections, most of these infections are known to come from the food chain. It's very clear that when we uh, feed antibiotics excessively to animals, it leads to these bugs becoming resistant in the animals. And then when they subsequently infect humans, uh, the infection is resistant. So, for instance, for uh, infections like Salmonella and Campylobacter, uh, although it is true that in most cases we don't use a- antibiotics to treat these infections, in some cases uh, we do. And uh, it's uh, extremely clear that a lot of this resistance comes from the use of the antibiotics in farm animals. But it's also the case that there is um, very unequivocal evidence that. Uh, for infections like E. coli or or even uh, MRSA or Clostridium difficile, that uh, farm use of antibiotics uh, can and does contribute to the the emergence of uh, resistance in human infections. And and how do we know this? Well, partly we know it when uh, a, a particular antibiotic may be used exclusively in farm animals for a certain amount of time and, and and not in humans and yet we see emergence of resistance to that antibiotics uh, in humans so for instance this occurred with the emergence of resistance to the antibiotic colistin which is now used uh, because we have uh, insufficient new antibiotics it, ha- it has become a last resort antibiotic used to treat a certain life-threatening uh, infections in humans. Um, but um, the emergence of uh, colistin resistance, and in particular what is, what is known as transferable uh, colistin resistance or mobile colistin resistance, this is a kind of resistance that can spread uh, between different uh, bacteria when bacteria pass genes or copies of genes in between each other. Uh, the emergence of this resistance was first found uh, in China in uh, 2015 at a time when China was only using clistin as a a growth promoter uh, in 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 farm animals and it was not using it uh, at all it wasn't licensed for use in humans and yet when it was found it was found not just in the, in the animals in the pigs and uh, and in chickens but it was found in in retail meat and it it was found in human uh, E. coli infections, and not just E. coli in Klebsiella as well, uh, which is not often, you know, considered to be something that is acquired from farm animals. Of course, it may not have been; it may just have been that the gene spread. Um, and 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 uh, so China reacted and decided to uh, ban the use of calistin in in farm animals uh, for growth promotion, although unfortunately not for prophylaxis. This led to a 90% reduction in usage, and we have seen uh, the the uh, colistin resistance in humans in China fall, even though colistin is now used in humans. Now, there are various other examples, including examples in the UK when antibiotics are exclusively used uh, in in farm animals, and and this has led to uh, resistance to these antibiotics emerging in humans. So we also know that there are certain strains of, particularly MRSA. There is a, a livestock-associated strain, and and we we can see that spreading from humans into from animals into humans, and the same for Clostridium difficile. There is a major strain as Clostridium difficile that is widely believed to be of pig origin
0: so th- there is
1: hope really from
0: that chinese example that if we modify behavior we can either slow the development of antibiotic resistance that's promoted by livestock use or or indeed reduce it and improve the situation now this report today is is about catering companies isn't it um and it may seem an obvious question but what sort of consumers does this affect who's going to be consuming the meat from this from the catering industry
1: well uh... Pretty much uh, everybody or certainly um, a very large proportion of of the population will have consumed or will consume regularly uh, uh, food from catering companies. So uh, meals from catering companies go uh, into the NHS, uh, they go into care homes, they go into schools, they go into uh, colleges, uh, they go into universities. Um, they also go into the workplace. Uh, work events will often have a, a caterer uh, uh, supplying food. Uh, they, they are also uh, suppliers of food uh, to a sort of a private organisations where you know that people might visit, like museums or, or other sorts of um, organisations. So yes, uh, there are many millions of meals served by caterers uh, each year.
0: So so this is all of us, isn't it? And, you know, you, you've you mentioned particularly that catering companies are supply, supplying our hospitals, our care homes, and then also our educational facilities and schools and, and even prisons. I mean, a lot of these environments will be looking after some very vulnerable people and people who are particularly vulnerable to infection. Do you think we're doing enough here in the UK? Do you think the government's doing enough to protect these potentially vulnerable people?
1: Well, that, well, that's right. Um, the, there are a lot of vulnerable people um, that, that 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 are consuming this food. And what our report has found is that neither uh, the catering companies nor the government is doing enough to ensure that uh, the, the public procurement of 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 food uh, in, in many of these uh, uh, public uh, organisations is. Uh, uh, sufficiently looking into uh, the responsible use of farm antibiotics. So we we examined 10 uh, leading catering companies in the UK, and um, we found that only five of them had uh, any sort of policy on antibiotic use. So half of them had no policy uh, whatsoever. And for the five that did have a policy, we found that none of them uh, prohibited the routine preventative use of antibiotics, and none of them uh, gathered any data whatsoever on antibiotic use in their supply chain. So unfortunately, uh, the policies are clearly not good enough. On top of that, although the, the government does set uh, minimum standards for uh, public procurement in, in what's called the, the government uh, buying standards, um at present there are no antibiotic standards uh, included in these standards for 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 food uh, procurement um and and the concern there is that that food uh you know while regulation may be you know considered superior in the UK to 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 that in some countries you know food can be imported into the UK and produced with extremely high levels of antibiotic use and and this is really why we need minimum standard for all food being um um produced for for these public organizations for for the NHS uh, and for schools
0: that's it's really frightening isn't it and uh, you know I I I, I th- I think just to clarify that you're not as an organisation against the appropriate use of antibiotics to treat individual sick animals. It's this sort of injudicious prophylactic use to prevent disease, but also as growth promoters that we're really talking about here, isn't it?
1: Well, this is right. We, we're we're certainly not calling for an end to antibiotic use uh, in farming, um, but we we realise that um, that most most antibiotic use in farming is for uh, group uh, treatments. In the UK, this is still uh, 75% of all farm antibiotic use, even though growth promotion using them as growth promoters has actually been banned since 2006. Now. Uh, Antibiotics can still legally be used uh, for routine uh, preventative use, although, uh, to be fair, the industry in recent years have made significant strides in voluntarily reducing this use and uh, they have cut their use by 55%. The government is also considering banning routine uh, preventative use. Uh, but uh, so far they still haven't actually taken that step. Um, They have consulted on it uh, earlier this year, but they haven't uh, given their response to the consultation. Uh, It should be pointed out that in the European Union, uh, routine preventative use was finally banned in January of last year, Um, and and so the UK is now uh, falling behind uh, Europe. Um, in this respect, but even though farm antibiotic use has been cut by a lot, as I say, 75% is still for group treatments. Now, some of the the leading countries in Europe, which have much lower levels of use, they actually use as little as maybe three or 4% for group treatments, and the vast majority is for individual treatments, and we really think that that is how to really demonstrate responsible use. Group treatments can occur sometimes responsibly in farming, but they really should be exceptional rather than the main way that antibiotics are used in farming. And so we what we advocate for is improvements in animal husbandry, uh, improvements in the conditions in which uh, farm animals are kept so that there is fewer, less disease to begin with and, and less need for medicating uh, entire herds or entire flocks of animals.
0: Yeah, and obviously we've we've talked about the catering industry and and the agricultural sector. Do you think our food retailers are doing enough to ensure that their food chains are antibiotic free? Can they do more?
1: Well, we we've actually published a series of reports on on the antibiotic policies of retailers, uh, and what we have found uh, throughout these three reports that th- is that they have gradually improved their their policies. Uh, so. By the time we published our, our our third report, we we found that all ten of the leading supermarkets in the UK now have uh, antibiotic policies, and all of these policies ban routine preventative use for at least their UK uh, um, own brand production. Of course, many supermarkets sell a lot more than just UK own brand production, and very often their policies don't apply to to um, uh, the, the, these animal foods. Uh, so, so certainly there has been progress, but yes, there is a a lot more that needs to be done in order to really uh, ensure that 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 what 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 is being sold in supermarkets is also uh, produced with responsible antibiotic use. We know that there are, there there are foods um, uh, that are imported or or um, perhaps also in, in branded uh, foods. Where, where there is there is less uh, controls, and we know that some of this is produced with very high uh, levels of uh, antibiotic use, and and th- this this has been linked uh, in the UK uh, to actual outbreaks of antibiotic resistant bacteria that there are there are known to have caused deaths.
0: And just for the for context here, really, Colleen, to for our listeners, this is not a sort of Antibiotic resistance is a a spectre. It's not a sort of nebulous concept. I've already mentioned it's here today, but it's already claiming well over a million lives around the world every year. Uh, And it's estimated to claim, I mean, I think optimistically around 10 million more lives by the year 2050 if we don't act urgently. So this really is, it's an existential crisis that is
1: in all our duties to address, isn't it? That's, that's absolutely right. I mean, it is something that so much of modern medicine really relies on, is access to a powerful and effective um, antibiotics. And and, and really, a, a key problem here is that the era of antibiotic discovery is really behind us, it seems. Perhaps we will make breakthroughs, you know, let's hope we do in the future. But for many infections, we've really discovered Nothing new for for over four decades, um, and, and this means that we really need to, you know, uh, deal with what we have, and and the best method that we have for you know tackling this huge crisis is by using the antibiotics we do have more responsibly. We do know that this can lead to uh, reductions in antibiotic resistance. It can lead to slowing the the rise of antibiotic resistance and and ultimately it saves lives. I mean, as you say, 1.27 million, it is estimated, people are dying annually directly because of antibiotic resistance. And in fact, it's estimated that up to 5 million deaths a year may be actually associated with antibiotic resistance. And that's already happening right now. So these are already huge numbers. And, you know, a, a UK... Uh, government, a government commission report has forecast that unless we take effective action, it, that the figures will increase to up to perhaps 10 million deaths a year by 2050.
0: Yeah, and, and I think some of us think that that's probably optimistic. It might be more than that. And again, for listeners, for the context, because these are big numbers, cancer claims around 8 million lives around the year around the world each year and tobacco consumption is responsible for around 5 million. These are huge quanta so we we've talked about um what food producers can do and what governments can and should be doing and what our retailers and catering companies can and should be doing um i suspect that some listening to this will be frankly quite surprised that they are consuming antibiotics in the meat they purchase from the supermarket and quite horrified by that. And, you know, to the same degree that you would be horrified if you found pesticides in the vegetables you were were buying. So um, what role does consumer pressure have here? Do we need to work on public awareness? And and what could be a, a good and responsible message to our public?
1: Yes, I mean, we 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 certainly, as a campaign group, you know, have tried very much to raise public awareness, and so um, and and I I think that to some extent we we have succeeded. Not just us, but many other people uh, working in this area have managed to somewhat increase uh, public awareness um, uh, of of the issue. Clearly, there there is a lot more that that needs to be uh, needs to be done there. Um, However it is also the case that awareness of itself is not going to uh, resolve the problems there there need to be you know solutions available that people uh, understand and are motivated to 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 use and are are able uh, to use um for instance, farmers themselves have been aware of this uh, issue for many years. Vets have been aware of this issue for many years, but for many years we didn't see them taking action. It's only over the past seven or eight years that we've really started to see significant action taken by 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 these groups. So the the question of what needs to be done is is uh, and what can be done by the public generally it also needs to be um considered i would i would also just say that on the question of how this resistance transfers through the food chain to people that while it is true that antibiotic residues can and do occur uh, in 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 food very often it is tends to be thought that it is more the transfer of resistant bacteria on the food to to the consumer or either when they they handle the meat or when they um eat undercooked meat that is 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 believed to be the main cause of resistance transfer so an important thing to do to ensure is for instance to not eat undercooked chicken because you're you're far more likely than to acquire some sort of um, uh, pathogenic um, uh, bacteria, and, and of course, a, a further problem. Uh, even if you were, for instance, um, to you know reduce your consumption of meat, or or even uh, some people choose to to stop consuming uh, animal products, there is the question of transfer of resistance through the environment uh, as well. Um, the the the, the a lot of the antibiotics are excreted in in, uh, in urine from the animals, and this ends up in in slurry and in manure. It ends up in the land. it can get into the water supply, uh, and it can end up uh, ultimately on vegetables too. So um, so the, the the environmental spread is needs to be considered um, here too. So
0: it's not just about the public changing individual ha- behaviours, for example, buying smaller quantities of uh, high welfare meat. It it's also has to be around the government pressure, the legislation, the the environmental and, and cultural change, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly uh, do. Uh, strongly advocate for a a greater shift to less intensive production and higher welfare. Uh, And we believe that there is uh, clear evidence that there there is far less need for antibiotic use there and and, and lower levels of antibiotic resistance. So this can certainly help. And I I think um, when we talk about the role that government plays, it's it's not just about the need to regulate uh, antibiotic use better. It's also about making sure that uh, lower, less intensive production systems are properly supported uh, as they tend to be, do, be done a lot better in many other European countries. So the, the difficulty here also is that while consumers may uh, wish to consume more, um, you know, higher welfare uh, uh, animal uh, products, uh, some of them may find it uh, more expensive than it really needs to be. And again, that that's also can be an issue with retailers choosing to push higher profit margins on some of these lines, higher than than is needed, and ultimately leading to some of this food being considered for rich people only, whereas we believe that this kind of food should be available for, for everybody.
0: That's that's a really important point, isn't it, um, Colleen, that's... It's one thing to say to, you know, someone like one of us, you know, if you choose to consume meat, try and purchase it from a butcher's, try and understand the supply chain and understand the animal welfare and the use of antibiotics. It's another thing saying that to a low income household, particularly low income households with, you know, fussy children in the house, which is something we're all familiar with, you know. How can and is there any practical advice for those lower-income households to sustain good nutrition whilst avoiding intensively farmed meat?
1: Well, I, th- I think one uh, one issue to to consider, of course, is you know, about the quantities of 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 meat and and dairy uh, that 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 we consume. And in terms of of good nutrition it's very clear that that many of us are eating far too much meat and far far more than than is needed for 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 good health or for for good nutrition um, and so a, a reduction in the amount of uh, animal foods and increasing the amount of of vegetables will you know tend to you know improve the the likelihood of avoiding you know antibiotic resistance through through the food chain uh, and, and it may mean that you may then also be able to eat uh, you know, more uh, higher welfare uh, foods uh, if if you are consuming less less meat um, in total. But ultimately, we we do need real government action, including, for instance, in in public procurement, where uh, you know higher welfare products should be um, being favoured by government and, and thus enabling you know prices to be reduced. Now there is some talk of of this going to be happening, you know, with um, uh, the new government buying standards um, that 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 are due. Uh, uh, but this is this is a way of helping uh, more people to access uh, higher welfare um, foods as well.
0: Uh, that's a a really interesting point, point. and we only have to look back a few decades, don't we? That um, a typical non extremely wealthy family would see meat as a luxury and a privilege to consume on a sunday for example with uh, less consumption during the week and you know perhaps that is a strong message that can become palatable to the public over time so obviously you've issued your report today and you know we've had sight of the headlines and it's really important and of course you've you'll have reached out to the media do you do you think that the the press and the media could play a greater role in talking about AMR and talking about what individual behavior changes our public can make to to address it.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you know we generally do tend to get uh, reasonably good coverage with, for, for for our campaign. and so so a, a lot of uh, the good that has come from our campaign has come. Because we have been able to get uh, coverage in in, in, in both uh, broadsheets uh, uh, as as well as as even sometimes the, some of the tabloids or or even you know highly influential uh, uh, newspapers like the Daily Mail or or uh, on radio and 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 television. So there there is certainly coverage of this. And um, sometimes perhaps the media are sort of. Um, too keen to publish uh, stories that are uh, excessively sort of depressing and scary uh, and and uh, insufficiently uh, interested in examining how we can really improve this in in a sort of a um you know in terms of policies and in terms of what what possible solutions might be available uh, so so there is sometimes um, a slight difficulty there in, in in having a a, a completely sort of grown-up debate about where we need to go with farming, where we need to go with food, uh, how how antibiotics should be used. Uh, there's maybe sometimes a bit more interest in sort of um scary superbugs being found on food, which of course is an important part of you know the the, the whole story. But um certainly um more more discussion about about the solutions uh, um and 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 what positive solutions there are would would certainly be something that we would hope to to be able to see a bit more of and we
0: we've seen um with uh, campaigns particularly around the environment thinking of as an example the sort of plastics in the ocean the, the engagement of schoolchildren the engagement of our next generation um how important do you think it is that we we try to do that? And do you think that our next generations have a handle on the concept of antimicrobial resistance? Or do you think we need to start to work really hard with the, that demographic?
1: Um, yeah, that's a very good question. And uh, um, probably we do need to do a lot more because, um, you know, I, I suppose as campaigners, we haven't Really done a done a whole lot in in that area. We've certainly worked with uh, university students, uh, including um, you know undergraduates. And um, but um, in terms of what goes on in our schools um, and how how uh, farming uh, occurs in practice and, and how antibiotics are used in livestock. Um, I don't think that most people really still understand that story, um, either children or, or adults, uh, certainly from my own conversations day to day with people. Um, there, there is certainly more understanding of, of, of this issue than there was 10 years ago, but there's still um, a lot of surprise when I tell people about how antibiotics are used in farming and or about the conditions in which animals are kept. It's quite surprising sometimes.
0: I, I can imagine. And I, I think we in, we as health professionals are sometimes guilty of not talking about antimicrobial resistance sufficiently. I, I think we often don't tell our patients, even if we believe they have been affected by antimicrobial resistance, that that's the case. And I know as a charity, when we're approached by um, journalists who are looking for someone who's been harmed by antimicrobial resistance, we we always have to find a sort of surrogate person someone who tells us that they were getting worse and they only started to get better when the doctor changed their antibiotic do you, do you think we as health professionals need to be more
1: honest about antimicrobial resistance to our patients uh, perhaps uh, i mean obviously i'm i'm not a, an expert on on what goes on uh, uh, in, in in healthcare and i'm sure you know th- there are good reasons why certain things don't don't happen but it does seem to me that um that sometimes antibiotics are are prescribed uh, repeatedly sometimes for patients without uh, uh, sufficient um studying being done uh, as to what it actually uh, is causing the infection and what the resistance might be. Um, so there, there does seem to me from my own personal experience to, to sometimes be um, an excessive reliance on antibiotics. I think also just more generally there there, there is um, Insufficient surveillance, uh, and, and this certainly applies uh, for for livestock as well. We do have surveillance for antibiotic resistance, but we don't have uh, nearly enough of it. And sometimes uh, it seems that we don't have enough of it because we don't really want to know, um, and, and so we don't do certain studies because we're a bit afraid about what we might find. Um, and uh, so. So this obviously then complicates our whole understanding or lack of understanding of what's actually um, going on and and sometimes makes debates more controversial than they need to be, because quite simply, the data isn't there. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I, I think that's that's absolutely right. We've um, uh, coming back to sort of the public talking about this and becoming more aware of it. from a sepsis perspective, it's often been quite easy for us to find celebrity ambassadors and uh, and influencers to talk about sepsis because, of course, it's a very prevalent problem, and it will from time to time affect a higher profile person. Do, do you think you have a role um for uh, antimicrobial resistance celebrity ambassadors and support? Is this something you're working on, or or is it difficult to identify such people?
1: Um well, we have uh, had uh, some celebrity uh, support so um for instance the the TV doctor uh, Dr Chris Van um he uh, gave uh, support to our campaign when we launched a a petition uh, aimed at supermarkets uh, asking them to improve their antibiotic uh, policies he he gave us uh, support um we've we've had uh, Quite a few years ago, now we had support from uh, the the actress Leslie Ash as well um, when we um, revealed the emergence of MRSA uh, in in livestock uh, and and the fact that it could spread uh, to humans. So so it is um, uh, certainly something that we uh, we have uh, done, and and it, it is true that uh, you know in the animal sector um, there are other organisations doing sometimes similar or slightly overlapping work with ours um, or or work focused on animal health and welfare, where there are uh, numerous celebrities that are, are quite willing to to um, to endorse uh, what what is being campaigned for. so I, d- I do think that it, it can certainly help. Um, I suppose one consideration which I suppose we've we've touched on o- already is um the, the the fact that you know, some people are obviously are going to be wealthier and more able to afford more expensive meat or or um you know higher welfare produce uh, and so um you know if if uh, you know and celebrities would tend to be amongst the, amongst those people and so there, there there it needs we need to be careful that it's not seen as just um some you know rich people telling other people to um you know spend more money on on more expensive food uh and, and that really this is food that should be available for for everybody and this is an issue that affects everybody
0: i think that Colin that that is a critically important point to finish on and and it's really something for the government as well as food producers and retailers to to seriously consider um that That is all we've got time for today, sadly. But, uh, Colleen, thank you so much for your time and, and and thanks to our listeners. If you'd like more information about the UK Sepsis Trust's stance on antimicrobial use, then head to our website at sepsistrust.org and you can find out more about the work of the Alliance to Save Our Antibiotics at saveourantibiotics.org. Colleen, thank you very much. Thank you.